You are listening to Characters Here Podcast. Interviews, discussions, stories, and events, all from your host, Arthur, artist, podcaster, and YouTuber, Sade. For more information, visit charactersheer.com. Born in Westminster, Orange County, California, but raised in Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas, he attended the School of Hard Knocks and graduated with a degree in hip-hop and a master's in street. Yes, seriously. With 24 years of experience as an artist, in the year 2000, he took on the risk of starting his business, FG3 Fine Art Productions, an art advisory company that links local artists with collectors, retailers, architects, and designers. He's a professional art partner who promotes talent in a competitive and difficult market. And he's learned that understanding the art business makes adapting to each opportunity important to curated art shows and exhibitions, programs for the culture, and relationships within and surrounding the DFW art community. Married with three children and five grandchildren at 44 years young, please welcome a special guest on Characters Here podcast, Frank Garcia the third. Welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. That's a pretty good intro. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how you put that together. Perfect. So normally I would ask, what was your childhood like? And what were you like as a kid? But I want to be more specific. Uh, like, how did you choose becoming an artist? And when did you realize you had that talent? Man. My whole life, I've, I always have had a pen or a pencil or sketch pad mm. with me. I carried it everywhere I went as a kid. I was always drawing and sketching something. But, um, you know, I come from, uh, I grew up in Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas. And um, back then, I only knew what we read, what I learned in school. We didn't have internet. <laughs> and I was watching a show once. I forget what movie. I was watching it with my mom. And I saw this artist. I didn't know it was an artist. I just saw a person painting a large canvas. Oh. And I remember right then and there, I remember seeing that image and saying to my mom, that's what I want to do. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I'd never seen anything like that because I'd never been to a museum and I'd never been, been exposed to, you know, paint or canvas or anything on that level. I was only like four or five years old. And um, it was always a passion and a dream to grow up and be that person. I still don't remember what movie it was. I wish I could remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how did you uh, get your work discovered? Um, again, I was young and um, always creating and drawing something and painting something. I painted my clothes and my school bags. And every time, you know, especially in high school that I went to school with new gear, painted up, people wanted it. They're like, can you do one for me? Can you? So I was charging <laughs> like 20 bucks for a T-shirt, 40 yeah. bucks for a bag. And it was putting money in my pocket. I was always making something. And um, after high school, you know, I think I said I went to the school of hard knocks because yes. um, I married right after high school and it was a hard lesson. Mm. Like I had bills and overhead and rent and car payments like at 19. Wow. So I, I had to learn really quick to get out there and get a job and keep a job. So I was focused on just, you know, taking care of my new wife. Mm -hmm. But um, at night, 
making art and painting on my own time and her girlfriends would come to the house and you know ooh and ah about my paintings <laughs> and one of them worked for an interior design firm back in the day and she had taken some of my canvases to work with her and sold them to her clients wow. and that's kind of when i was like wait a second you did what somebody <laughs> bought that like you're kidding what do they want with my art but she began to explain to me like that's what people did they bought art and um at that same time i was crossing paths with another individual who was in the design game and he saw my work as well and started pushing me to evolve and use higher end materials and larger canvases and sold my very first what i consider a fine art piece mm. today and uh you know i still work with that individual today you know 24 years later He's still turning me on to projects. How was that relationship? Uh, when I met him, he was uh, he was just a person that I came across that I thought was different and creative. Uh -huh. And at the time, he was making art too, but it was on a different level than anything I had seen because I wasn't exposed to that type of life or industry. It was all new to me. But he was doing design and furniture and you know a lot of like furniture placement and placing my art on his projects and he was growing his business he was young like me he was doing this for his friends and immediate circle and then it grew into a client base and um we became friends mm -hmm. and now we're colleagues um he stayed in the design game he's still designing Mm -hmm. and uh still selling my work and other artists it's just you know it's all evolved nice so let's talk about fg3 fine art productions what's the story and how did you get started um that is a story let's see uh okay so i was an artist living that dream um i had a day job printing and that's kind of how i took care of my young wife at the time at a young age i really learned the the color industry printing because obviously you're printing on paper i'm on big machine presses and we're dealing and handling ink every day of various colors and we're mixing ink and we're making new colors so that's where i really learned my color i left that industry i i was doing really well and my boss was like if you don't go chase your dream like i'm gonna fire you like you have way too wow. much talent. yeah he said you have way too much talent to be up here on this press you know you need to go live your life as an artist and i you know i if i if he didn't push me i probably would have taken longer but mm -hmm. i quit my day job and i immediately just started you know taking orders on my paintings and you know this is before internet so really? uh, it was uh really word of mouth friends were turning me on to their friends and their friends were turning me on to their family. Mm -hmm. You know, I was selling canvases for 200, then 400, then 800, then 1200. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, an average of 1500 to 2000, a painting, you know, at the age of 25, 26, doing my own shows, producing my own shows. Back then we went and you know peddled our art if you if you want to say mm -hmm. that we would take our art into high-end restaurants and say things like you know i'm looking to show my work would you be willing to allow me to do a pop-up and we would print 
cards and hand out and mail out cards to invite people. And it was just, you know, a learning process that I did on my own. Mm -hmm. And each show I had, more and more people would come and more and more paintings would sell outside of the gallery atmosphere. So the galleries were like, you know, here's this kid doing all this on his own. Mm -hmm. He's never, he's not approaching us to do it. He's doing it all on his own. And I realized that because galleries take 50% of all your profit. I was mm. making a hundred percent of my profit. Wow. So other artists were like, Hey, can we get in on that? Could you help us learn to do that? Yeah. And that's kind of where it all started. Just um, helping other artists, including them in my pop-ups mm -hmm. and somewhere around uh, 2007, I turned it into uh, somewhat of a business. It wasn't FG3 Fine Art Productions. It was FG3 Art. And I had a business partner and we were producing shows and exhibitions on higher levels for clients. And then I guess around 2010, 9, 10, I partnered with these two brothers that owned a gallery off Henderson. And I became a gallery owner. And we were doing really well. Mm -hmm. But around 2012, 13, Instagram popped up. And we didn't really know what that machine was just yet. It was just mm -hmm. a fun thing to post photos until people started using that to post their art and creating mm -hmm. a platform for collectors to reach them directly. Mm -hmm. So um, that interfered with our business because instead of coming to us to buy art, they were going directly to the artist. Oh. Yeah. So that is what really forced me to start FG3 Fine Art Productions. I just felt like, you know, the brick and mortar game, the gallery game, mm -hmm. not working as mm -hmm. an artist, trying to show other artists. I felt like maybe I need to become something more than just a place for artists to show their art in hopes to sell it. So I started doing the art consulting, the art advising, the mm -hmm. uh, creating art concepts for companies and businesses and art nonprofits and being that go-to logistics guy, the facilitator, the installer. And that's turned into more of a production company. And in 2012, 13, I really wrapped my head around that being a business. And 14, 15, we launched it. And, you know, now it's 2022, going on 22, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you share some stories about some risks that happened or some highs and lows that you experienced? Yeah, there's always risk in the creative world. Every day is a risk, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So um, I always had like a second option. When I first started the company, I had a little side job. I always kept a little side gig where, hey, I know that those people need me outside of the art industry. I can go put that work in and make a quick $1,200, $1,500 check. Uh, but it pulled me away from focusing on the company because I'd have to go work for someone else. Yes, and I was doing that to stay afloat and to pay my overhead so that I could do what I loved, which was the art game. Mm -hmm. But not until I said, this isn't working. It's taking too much time. It's pulling me away. I had to do away with the plan B. The plan mm -hmm. A was running the business, keeping afloat, making enough money to cover overhead. There was no plan B. When I made that choice, 
is when everything changed. We started really growing. We were able to focus on all the clients 100%. Mm. We're able to really, you know, produce high quality shows. It's just taking that, you know, next step forward and not looking back. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that's a challenge. That's a, you know, some people call it a gamble, but Mm -hmm. I don't consider it that, you know, because I've learned from the industry. If you put in the work, you know, you get what you put into it. The return Mm -hmm. is how much you put into it is what you get back. And so um, that's, uh, there's tons of challenges along the way and we've failed and we've succeeded and Mm -hmm. we're um, fortunately, you know, I've seen plenty of other people come and go and art consultants come and go that, you know, Mm -hmm. get burnt out because it's not easy. It's uh, Uh, mm -hmm. one of the hardest things I've ever done, uh, you know, outside of just being an artist hustling you know and working and selling your paintings it's one of the hardest things that i've ever had to accomplish was keep this business afloat especially during like covid oh I my would say, yeah i would say that's the biggest challenge was covid so um at the end of the day i see myself as a creative individual so mm-hmm. if i'm gonna ever you know carry the title artist then i need to be as more creative than the average person i've challenged myself i pushed myself to the limits and covid forced that you know i woke mm-hmm. up and thought what am i going to do and we got into video production we got into a whole new side of consulting uh, we put artists you know back into their studios and creating new bodies of work preparing in advance what mm-hmm. we were going to do with that work once covid was passed and now those things are happening. So, you know, we had we couldn't stop. We had to see the future for what it is and mm-hmm. plan accordingly. Uh, stopping was not an answer. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's just, that, that's kind of been the biggest challenge, to be honest. Where do you get your time from? Because <laughs> I've been going to your shows and I'm like, oh my goodness, because it's not just a show. It's the whole preparation before the show. That's yeah. time too. Yeah. <laughs> It How really do you is. keep your energy up? It, it's uh, it's not easy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it starts, you know, early on. I get up early. Uh, lately, you know, we, we just bought a house, uh, I guess, eight weeks, ten weeks ago. And I moved closer to a cousin. And uh, we've been going to the gym in the morning, six wow. days a week. And I got to tell you, like, if your mental is not straight and your physical isn't straight, you couldn't do this. I couldn't mm-hmm. do this. Like I gotta, I gotta get my mind in the right place to begin to create every day, constantly, consistently. There's no downtime, and so uh, that's the challenge. That's the discipline. I get up early. I start early. I get the gym done. My head's in a good place. I get the coffee in me, the breakfast in me, mm-hmm. and you know by. 6 30 when most people are getting up or thinking about it i've already accomplished half my day oh, and wow. then it's just like all right now i get the work done i get on the emails i get all the planning the digital graphics all the videos you know all the connecting you got to connect with these artists all the concepts the ideas you put it all out there and that's part of the production you know the mm-hmm the the show the actual exhibition or the show or the event it's the final that's the party that's the like celebration of yeah. all the work that we put into this the last you know four six eight weeks um so yeah it's uh 
dedicating time. This isn't a, a time clock kind of deal. Mm-hmm. We don't clock in. We don't clock out. It's mm-hmm. definitely a way of life. I've had mm-hmm. to intertwine it into my personal life. And my mm-hmm. whole family understands that every day, you know, I'll be working at some level. Thank, you know, thank God for iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> I can work remotely. But, you know, even my grandkids, they're just like, you know, pop-ups, are you working? And if I say <laughs> yes, then they know to keep their distance until I'm done because right. you got to get it done. It's part of the, it's part of the, um, the drive. Right. And it never stops. And that leads me into asking, what advice could you give someone who wants to become an artist or even just work in the industry? Well, there's, you know, various levels. You want to be a, a creative person and, you know, paint for fun and dabble. A lot of people use that side of their brain as mm-hmm. a stress reliever to relax, you know, the end of the day, or, you know, sometimes people will doodle or draw at the office when they're in their most stressful part of the day, just yeah. to relieve some of that. And, and that's great for that. But if you want to take it to the next level and really dive into like, what can I do with this talent? Then yeah, becoming an artist. Um, it, like I said, it's a way of life. You, you, your whole mindset needs to, um, focus on what that's going to look like for yourself. Because if you don't do that and set your mind to it and begin the planning process of, Hey, I'm going to live my life this way, then you're not just wasting your time, but you're wasting everyone else's time that cr- crosses your path during that phase. Mm-hmm. So like, this is a definite, one of those things where you sit down, look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm going to do this just like you would with any other job. Mm -hmm. job and you know the requirements are heavier than you're used to you're going to sit down and mentally wrap your head around it and prepare yourself it's the same deal with the art life you just prepare yourself that you're going to have to work harder than you ever had to in your life your struggles are going to be more difficult than everyone else around you and you're going to have to learn to deal with those stress levels whereas other people won't have to but the flip side is you're going to live one of the most exciting lives on the face mm-hmm. of the earth. You know, yeah. you're going to be do, you're going to cross paths with some of the most amazing people that walk mm-hmm. the earth today. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a daily occurrence. Those are things right. you're going to do daily. So there's a flip side to that hard work and the payout is high, not green paper payout, but just the, you know, mm-hmm. living life, the way of life. Uh, the green paper comes later. Right. <laughs> like I said, you get what you put at you. What you get what you put into it. You put in lots of effort, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Man, you're gonna make a lot of that green paper. It's gonna but come. You, yeah, you just put minimal effort, and you think you're going to slide by, and then you're gonna <laughs> do the same in return. <laughs> exactly. Is there <laughs> a quote you live by, or a book you've read, or a person in your life that just keeps you motivated? There's nothing worse in life than wasted talent. Um, that's something that I heard it for the first time and thought, you know, one, what does that mean? I realized and learned the hard way what that means. And now it's, you know, it's a constant reminder. If you're an individual that you have some level of talent outside of numbers or, you know, um, on the creative side of things with Mm -hmm. your hands, if you're a craftsman or a, 
a builder or a creator, like, you know, if you can't help it, don't waste that. Use mm. that full force, put it out there, share it with the world. If you can sing, if you can rap, if you can play an instrument, like, man, embrace that. That'll bring mm. you more happiness than, than clocking in every day, 40 hours a week. True. <laughs> so that's one one thing. Uh, books. Um, there's a ton of books. I'm a reader. I've mm -hmm. self-educated. I made it to the 12th grade, barely. No, but, no. You know, <laughs> my environment was different than a lot of people today. You know, we had to deal with gangs and violence in the 90s. But mm -hmm. um, I chose to educate myself and read because I couldn't afford college. And I realized that I had that was absolutely important mm -hmm. and for me to, you know, be able to maneuver within some of those circles that I wanted to sell my art to. But um, a book that stands out to me today, I guess, would be the uh, Anthony Kiedis story. He's mm -hmm. the lead singer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We share a lot in common as talented and amaz as amazing he is, his life and his realities are just like everyone else deal dealing with, you know, drugs and alcoholism. And mm -hmm. he has been able to overcome that. Mm -hmm. And his life story is phenomenal for anyone dealing with those or living those realities. That's been a huge, um, I think I've read that book three times just to, oh, you know, because it, it hits home. Another mm -hmm. really amazing book is Art Lover. Art Lover is the story and life of Peggy Guggenheim. And if you're an mm -hmm. artist, you should know who that is. Yeah. Uh, her life story is phenomenal and how she landed on American shores and all she's done for art and modern art in general for America. She's a French woman. Um, is amazing. So uh, those are a couple of books that come to mind. Okay, I had to Google real quick because I'm like, that last name, the Guggenheim, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I learned Here's about the, the building and architecture. Right. Here's an interesting fact. Peggy Guggenheim is part of the Guggenheim family from the Guggenheim Museum. There's also a Guggenheim collection, but her uncle died on the Titanic. What? That's a, yeah, that's a fact that a lot of people don't know. Wow. That, you know, you find out and you learn when you read the book. Oh, my, the connections. Life is something. <laughs> yeah, it really wow. is. The story's that's phenomenal. Huge. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I'm definitely going to check out Art Lover. Yeah, you should read it. You would love it. You, you would I feel like you will. Especially in that time where I am have the time now that I could really start catching back up on my reading. So that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. You'll love that book, I promise you. Is there anything new that you're working on, or do you have any future plans to share with us? Oh, there's all. I think every week is something new. <laughs> <laughs> you started out uh, this last question with, "Man, you're doing something every week." There's always an event. Yeah, um, that's what it's turning out to be. Uh, in my industry, my business, we, we go where the clients take us, and. Mm. Um, it's, it's always the creative side of things, you know, right now with us as a country pulling out of COVID, you know, people are wanting to gather. They're, mm -hmm. they're wanting to get back to the things that they probably didn't realize that 
they would miss like art shows, galleries, buying art that's starting to kind of rise again. So um, art events, shows, exhibitions, that's what we've been focused on. Um, like I said, during COVID, you know, we spent a lot of time keeping the artist in their studio. So there's tons of work that has been created that we're launching out there. Um, scheduled launches we're promoting on Instagram, social media, and then we're installing that work at various venues across the city to showcase it and highlight these artists and all the work that they put into yes. their art during COVID. So um, a lot of that's happening. Uh, we're trying to get back into the mural game. Um, that's That was huge during COVID. Mm. Uh, we're trying to navigate what that looks like for a company like us. Um, just uh, growing the Growing the concept, building our web tools, our online tools. Uh, we're focused on that right now. We were able to um, hear the last uh, four or six weeks work with um, Parish Episcopal mm -hmm. School, high school. And we had an intern program, uh, intern Freedom Foster interned with us, student Freedom Freedom Foster. So we're coming to the tail end of that. That was a cool experience. She helped us out a lot at this hands-on stuff, you know. We do a lot of that, giving back to the community, working with young individuals, providing a hands-on experience. Um, that's huge to us as a company, huge to me. That's how I learned my craft you know, other individuals taking me in and giving me the opportunity to learn at my pace. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of things happening right now. I'm really glad to hear that. And now it makes sense. She said we're doing something every week. <laughs> yeah, there's always something new going on. <laughs> That's good. I'm especially glad about um, your recovery from COVID because I know COVID caused a lot of businesses, you know, to basically they have to do away with it. It's unfortunate, but if you when you can succeed out of things like that, that's that's tremendous, and I'm so glad and grateful for that for you. Well, I appreciate that. It's it wasn't easy, and you know we're still coming out of it. Yeah, um, we're trying to still navigate through the end of it. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, did not survive and mm -hmm. closed their doors and mm -hmm. moved on, and we've just been. Um, you know, every day sitting, creating new ideas, new ways to reach clients and who are those clients and what do they look yeah. like and, you know, where to find those clients. It's just, it's a, it pushed us, pushed our limits. Yeah. It really mm -hmm. forced us to survive. And I think that's making, that's made us stronger. Hopefully when we come out of this thing full force, mm -hmm. we'll be better than we were before it happened. I really, really enjoyed this interview with you. I learned even more <laughs> than when I first met you. So that was exciting too. So now I have some fun and random questions for you. So what was the funniest thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, so my granddaughter, Amelia, we call her Millie. Uh, she made friends with the neighbor, the neighbor girl seven and mm -hmm. Amelia's five. And, um, I, they were outside playing and, you know, we have boundaries. Don't play beyond that sidewalk kind of thing. And mm -hmm. they're out there playing and the little girl Peyton comes up to me and she's asking if Millie could 
get a cupcake if she could have a <laughs> cupcake. And so I was trying to understand what she was saying, but I couldn't. And I was is coming out of this little girl's mouth. I just could not understand what she was saying. <laughs> and a speech impediment. And I was trying to really understand without having to like look past her and ask her dad. <laughs> but um, I asked Millie, Millie, what is she asking? Because obviously you're both wanting to ask the same question. She goes, Pop Pops, it's because she speaks with a hint of peppermint. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, Oh, what? And she goes, She speaks with a hint of peppermint. She's trying to say she speaks with the speech impediment. <laughs> and I said, Okay. That had me rolling. Her dad, Peyton's dad, was rolling, man. We were laughing, and the girls had no idea what we were laughing at. Oh my goodness! So that it's was so funny. Innocent and sweet, cause she yeah. tried. She tried. She tried. That was funny. Oh goodness! That reminds me when I, when my youngest sister was little, she couldn't say my name, Chardé, so she would say sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Sausage, yeah, wow, come here, sausage. Sausage did it. <laughs> That's funny. So, next question What was the first album or CD that you ever bought? When I was growing up, we had cassette tapes, <laughs> and we never bought like cassette, we always recorded from what other people had. Wow. <laughs> So we would just record, record, record. Let me borrow your cassettes. Let me borrow your <laughs> record them. But the first time, like, I actually bought a CD to like listen to music, it was the Smashing Pumpkins album. I don't know if you even know who they are, but it was like 1989 Smashing Pumpkins. Wow. It just like launched their music for the first time, and I was like, "Wow, dude, this is amazing." I had one of those. CD, you know, CD players you could hook on your belt loop with earphones. Oh, <laughs> around with like this 10 inch CD player connected to your belt loop back in the day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> were they expensive back then? CDs, yes, they were actually expensive to like a young guy like me. I was, I think they were probably like, 15 i think on the average like almost like 20 dollars back in the day wow. oh my god yeah so thank you just for um digital music <laughs> yeah it's it's changed the game which brings me to ask would you rather walk everywhere or sing every word <laughs> oh i'd probably walk everywhere i don't, I don't <laughs> too much i'm a music lover but i won't sing <laughs> You don't want to hear sing anywhere. <laughs> I'd rather walk everywhere. <laughs> what was your first job? My first job job, like where I was doing something consistently, I was cutting lawns. Um, yeah. I started, yeah, I started that when I was eight years old. Oh my, my dad, um, you know, we grew up uh, less than, you know, average. My dad was the only one working. My mother was a housewife. There were three of us at home, you know, we lived in a duplex in Oak Cliff. Yeah. Um, it was uh, not an easy life. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we wore hand-me-downs hand -me 
Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted ponies. Y'all don't even know what ponies are today. <laughs> and my dad was like, I can't afford ponies. If you want ponies, you can go buy ponies. <laughs> you got to go out and work to make money to buy ponies. And I was like, well, what can I do? And he's like, collect cans, take people's trash out, cut lawns. So I just started going through the neighborhood asking people to cut their lawns. And I gained like 10 or 12 different houses within like 10 different blocks. Then every week I would go out and cut lawns and make almost a hundred bucks, I guess. Try to buy my own clothes at eight years old. And then by the time I was 10 years old, man, I was balling. <laughs> oh my gosh. You were on a mission. See, that's what I, I miss about, you know, then I feel like people were more hustlers at a very early oh, age. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> totally different generations. Yes. Yeah, we, we hustled early and some of us went the dark path. Some of us stayed <laughs> the light path. But yes. it's all a hustle game. You gotta get out there and put you, you know, put forth the effort. You get what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Those people kept calling me back because I took care of their lawns like I was taking care of my hair. Their yeah. lawns were perfect and mm-hmm. immaculate. I would edge and weed and cut their bushes and plant flowers and dig up ditches. And I was like eight, ten years old, hustling out there. All the other kids were running around, no care in the world. I wanted Levi's. I wanted ponies. I wanted oh, yeah. I wanted everything <laughs> no one else had. And I worked hard to get it. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. If you got a free trip to go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And what's the first thing you would do when you get there? I'd like to go to Spain. I'm a history guy, so I'd probably line up a bunch of different trips and tour some of the history. We could trace our family back to Spain. Our heritage is Spanish and American Indian, we're 67% American Indian, and um, the remaining percent, mostly Spanish, but obviously we all have African descent in us somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, like 1% and 3% this and that. But Spain, Spanish, and American Indian are what my uh, DNA traced back to, so... We're not from Mexico. We landed on the Texas side of things. We traced our ancestry back on, uh, I guess, 10 years ago. My family did a fam- had a family reunion, and we traced our ancestry back. Yes. We knew that we came from Spain, and we knew we landed on the Texas side of things. But to see it, like, in black and white from yeah. DNA, it makes a lot of sense, and brings a whole nother side of pride to who you are so yeah i think i would go see spain and if you could be any character from any show cartoon movie or book what character would you be and why (laughs) any character (laughs) (laughs) what is one of my favorite movies uh i mean i like a lot of movies most of them based on true stories I'm always like on the survivor things, like the survivors, uh, the ones that go where most people won't make it on the other side. I liked that mm-hmm. movie by Mel Gibson, the one, the Ap- Apocalypto, and it was about Mayan warriors. Oh, that's why that sounds familiar. I'm going to yeah. check that movie out. 
in the movie, there's a character, you know, that is trying to get his family back and he was taken as a slave and he fought his way through and survived danger. It was pretty amazing. I like his character, you know, that kind of, I relate that to just surviving out here during COVID and Mm-hmm. taking care of the family and making sure you know my grandkids got what they need to have to succeed in life and mm-hmm. a home and everything they need to give them the opportunity they deserve to be as successful as they want to be oh i love it <laughs> and last question because i just really i want people to know how to find you how can they reach you email social media website give it to us all fg3 fine art productions and then the um, the personal one is Frankie.fineart. Both of those are on Instagram. And you can just find me on Facebook, Frankie Garcia the Third. The way I see it and the way I run my business is we don't really say no to anybody. I'm always mm-hmm. going to hear what you have to say or listen to your inquiry. We we aren't always going to have an answer, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna at least give you a shot and put some put my mind to it and if i can't help you i'll direct you to somebody that can people reach out to me every one of those platforms thank you so much frank (laughs) i really enjoyed this so much every time i interview someone i learn a lot from them that could be a a, something that helps me in my journey so i really appreciate (laughs) it and i thank you for it thanks charday Thank you for listening to Characters Here Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share this episode with everyone you know. And remember, don't be a stranger. Be a character. Be a character. Be a character.